Good evening, everybody. This is High Spirits. Welcome to Mutiny Radio FM. And we're just a little bit behind here, and we're, we're trying to get started. So um, bear with us a moment while we get plugged in, and uh, we'll be, we'll all be with you in a minute. Again, bear with us. This is Mutiny Radio FM. High Spirits is getting ready. We're almost set. This is Bourbon. Welcome to High Spirits. Hey, Bourbon. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, Bob. Hey, hey. Welcome. It's Friday night here in San Francisco. Oh, wait, I gave away our secret location. Um, we've, we've told them before. I think the location of Mutiny Radio is not a secret. We're really bad at secrets, which get, is great. We're getting better, though. We're getting better. Um, we're just waiting for a few more people to filter in. So I have a random question for you, Bourbon. Yes. Jake Wallen is asking if this is your friend's bag. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Oh. There. That's my bag. Okay. Got it. Uh, <laughs> okay, um... Well, uh, it's Friday night in San Francisco. People are out having good times. And here we are to talk about uh, um, High Spirits. High Spirits. The show that was just on was the tail end of a, of a comedy um, show. And they were talking about Jeffrey Epstein, the... Uh, uh, the famous financier arrested for uh, child sex, sex trafficking. I don't know what all the charges were, but it was pretty, the whole thing was pretty horrific. And then he offed himself this week. I was going to ask, is that the guy who, yeah. 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 So justice, we'll never see justice in his case. I mean, the whole thing was a complete fuck up. Um, and, uh, uh, Kind of a distressing reflection of American culture and society. All right. Um, 
Well, that's shipper. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what's interesting to me about it is that um, I think that sex is another kind of uh, thing that people um, can abuse, obviously. And that's what the Epstein case is about. But um, anyways, so I'm just throwing that out as a topic uh, to consider. And um, I... Uh, I would like to remind everybody that we are not here representing any organization. This is just a group of people from San Francisco who are we're just here to talk about our experiences. Yes. And uh, and what our life is for some of us, what our life is like now. Um, and uh, not here to be preachy. It's always interesting to hear what people's experiences are. Were you here when Pam was here? Uh, on the first show? You were yeah. here on the first night. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. Gotta start putting them up. Yeah. Well, actually, all the shows are great. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to them. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so we're waiting how was your evening, fun. guys? I, I missed out tonight. What did I miss? Anything good? We uh, we saw like 25 people earlier in the evening, and then we all met for burgers and tater tots afterward. Nice. It was great. Is that a big? Is that an average size meeting? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm wondering what the average size meetings are. It's, yeah, it's about average, uh, 25 to 30, just typical um, for that meeting. But, you know, it's completely un, uh, impossible to predict how many people show up to any meeting, um, a meeting that does average that size. It's some days just four people will show up, and uh, <clears throat> you just have the meeting as normal. Does, is it uh, more effective meetings the larger they are? or Every meeting is different. I don't really like super big, big meetings. What's the biggest meeting you've ever been to? Um, like, I wouldn't say, well, they, they've had a meeting during like a big party, like where it's like a chapter thing or something like that. That was, um, I mean, it was fun, but like a regular meeting, maybe the biggest would be 30, 40. Or no, if it was 25 tonight, maybe more. I would say 40 to 50. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Like it's it's good, but I prefer like a medium size. I feel like it's a little bit more personal and I can still like connect with people. And um, I can actually like share. Or not share. I don't know. Depends. I, I feel like the the best meetings are the size where everybody who wants to talk gets to talk. Um, it, I always feel bad if there's people who, you know, at the end of the meeting, you know, had their hand raised or felt or you know clearly looked like they really wanted to talk and just never got a chance. It sounds like a, a large meeting would offer a lot of support. And encouragement just from the sheer size knowing that you're with a whole bunch of people wanting to make a difference and do they 
even go out afterwards in large groups? Like, do you, does that support Every continue after the? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, you know, the size of the meeting can also really affect just the, the way, I mean, again, every meeting is also different in just how it's run, but, um, you know, like in the meeting that we just came from tonight, uh, when somebody wants to talk, they uh, just start talking, and we, we don't really have any problem with, you know, people... You know, if somebody, two people start talking at once, you know, one person just defers to the other person. It's never uh, been a problem. But at larger meetings, it's, you know, there's often a person in front, you know, people raise their hand and then they get called on. Or I've seen meetings where, um, you know, one person uh, speaks and then they choose the next speaker. And I've, I've actually been frustrated when, at that kind of a meeting especially, especially in a large group, because they'll tend to pick people that they know and then it's just a very certain group of people only get to speak. And then, you know, the, the people who are new to that meeting, you know, just never get a chance. And that's very, I feel, I kind agree. of exclusionist. Yeah, I agree. I've definitely gone to, like, some good ones and I was like, wow, this is really great. And then I've gone a couple times and exactly what you said it's just a few handful of people that get to speak and um, I did figure out one thing with those kinds of meetings and it's kind of funny because it's like a thing with how the world works it's like if you know the secretary Mm -hmm. or um, someone who is a regular speaker then you get called on so in a way it's still who you know yeah, it's a little, a little clicky. <laughs> but i i mean i can't hate um i think those also serve a purpose so for someone who is just new to this and is just kind of like sober curious they they do get to hear some good shares sure so for that reason then it's it's it has a purpose mm-hmm. but i still hate on it because <laughs> i want to speak sometimes you know it is clicky, I find, um, and a little annoying. But, uh, you know, I haven't been to a mega meeting in a while where there's over over 100 people and coffee service and pastries and all of that. And those are very structured, like, you know, how they pick people and how long they're allowed to speak. There's, like, people conducting the meeting. I went to a meeting in Laguna Beach um, about eight months ago and, uh, it was, it was kind of like a church. It was, it looked like a church. It was an AA, it was an Alano club. Um, and there were maybe 150 people in the audience and then people in other rooms. And it was just kind of fascinating to see how that whole thing works, which is different than the kind of meetings that I usually go to. It was, um, hundreds of big one, like, yeah. A big meeting. I've never, I don't think I've been to like a regular meeting that's like a hundred. Yeah, there's some San Francisco meetings that are that size. Wow. They had uh, two warm-up speakers and like a director of the whole thing. And they had uh, uh, somebody playing guitar off on the side. And and then they had a main speaker come in. And then they had to finish like a wrap-up speaker. It was, it felt kind of churchy to me. Which is all right. I think a lot of people there appreciated it because of that, that it's, you know, it gave them the comforts of, you know, like a church, big church service, a Southern California style church service. Um, yeah. 
That's funny when you said there's like a person playing guitar. It just reminded me of this uh, movie I watched yesterday, Mad Max. <laughs> Have you guys seen this movie? I don't remember there being a guitar. Well, I don't know. Um, actually, Jake Wallen introduced me to that movie, but it was in Chrome. And there's like oh, one no, that's, character. That's Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, that's yes, the, that's, that's the one. That's the most recent Mad Max. Okay, yeah, that's the one. And there's um, a guy whose sole purpose is just to like play the guitar yes. during like their... Strapped to the speaker stack. Yeah. Amazing. I was like, wow. Yeah, that, that was a great visual. <laughs> so good. Movie's great. Yeah, yeah you know you're, you're in... Um, for uh, a certain kind of a meeting when they you walk in and they have you know a sound system and they uh, pass a mic around you know the uh, the the attendees to for them to share um, it, it definitely you know has a very different feel to it than sitting in a circle and speaking you know to a circle of people um, yeah. I don't know, good or bad. I mean, it's it's just a, a very different experience. Um, Can you attend all the different meetings? Can you attend all the different meetings? Like crash there, different meetings? No, there, there's no crashing. All, all the meetings. Oh. Yeah, I mean, some some meetings are um, uh, more open than others in that some meetings are open to people who are um, interested in attempting sobriety uh, in that they, they, they are not actually sober yet. Some meetings are closed to people who are actively um, uh, actively in sobriety. Um, but other than that, I mean, no, anybody is welcome at any meeting um, for the most part. They don't, it's not a, a the, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. It sounds like that variety you could find your fit. Oh, Maybe. and in and, and San Francisco especially, there is such a wide variety of meetings. It's, it's, uh, it's rather impressive. Do they wind up being, when you said clickish, does it wind up being, um, is it multi-generational, or does everyone find their, like, like finds like, and they wind up, you walk in I, one meeting and it's all seniors, you walk in another one and it's all... Birds of a feather finding each other and deciding that they like to flock together, yeah. I think it depends. It's like when I go to bars, it's I kind of have like an idea of what to expect. And then sometimes like I go check out other bars and what do you hear that? Just wondering. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a mixed lot, but there are a lot of like um, you can definitely ask people and sometimes like people will invite you to the ones that they normally go to or um, some people will have like for actually yeah for age two like there's some that are for younger crowds so they call it like young people meetings yeah, so, so there's there's directories of meetings in every city and um Basically, all you have to go on when you see a listing for a meeting is the location, the time, the name of the meeting, which is basically meaningless, and um, a few keywords. You know, they'll they'll say like whether or not it's an open meeting or closed meeting, like I was describing before. Um, yeah, and then you know, if it's a young person's meeting, uh, if it's um, some of them are you know geared towards LGBTQ, um, 
and uh, you know maybe just a few keywords like that. But other than that, you know, there's really no clue as to what a meeting is going to be like. But you know, there's so many people will just you know need need to go to a meeting. And so they'll just look in the directory, find a meeting that fits you know, near, near them and fits the time that they can go, and they'll just show up and you never know what it's gonna be like. Um, so it's, you know, it's always an experience. Um, you know, when I was early in sobriety, I just tried a lot of meetings just to see what it was like. And you know, not all of them were good experiences, but it was really interesting you know, to see, you know, um, you know, to see the variety of stuff that's out there. You know, I mean, I went to some really hard meetings. Like, I went to a really hard meeting at the um, uh, at the um, Salvation Army, where um, it was, you know, it was these old these these old timers there. They looked at me and assumed I was another old timer like them, even mm. though I was like a month into sobriety. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, this is this is the we call this the tough love meeting, and it was basically um, they were basically just like yelling at a bunch of guys there who were in a program and try it was kind of a scared straight thing it was weird hey um, guys we have our first caller okay who's on the line just bringing um bringing them up right now um hello caller welcome to mutiny radio fm um hi thanks for taking my call pleasure to be here and uh, can you tell us your name and um, anything that you like about yourself? Uh, anything about yourself that you'd care to share with us? That I like? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I'll say I'm Philbert, because that's my name. Oh, hey, Philbert. Welcome. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, we um, have with us here also, just so you know, Shadow Lady. Hey, Philbert. Hi, Shadow Lady. And Bob. Hey, Philbert. Hey, Bob. And... Um, Peanuts. And peanuts. Hey, peanut. Is peanut human? Uh, <laughs> plural, peanuts. Oh, peanuts. Yes, and they'll be with us in just a moment. Hey, right. so um, the name of the show is High Spirits. High Spirits. High Spirits. And uh, we talk about um, uh, drugs and alcohol in in the world, in, the, in human society. Um the effect of those things on on society and culture, you know, just every aspect of it. Our so, relationship with it, yeah. Our relationship yeah. with it. Yeah, I have a relationship with those things myself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit, bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, um, I guess, uh, I don't know if you guys are talking about uh, harm reduction or like sort of like something on the continuum of uh, recovery but not quite recovery um, so I have some experience with that yeah we were just uh, talking about uh, an aspect of recovery meetings just a, a, a little just before you called in um, and how the San Francisco has many different kinds and of different sizes with different kind of social structures, you know, implicit social structures, the way that the meetings are run and, you know, how people talk, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, I can tell you what my, I've been to maybe three, um, several week harm reduction groups. Um, it's been a while, but, um, I don't know that everybody yeah, here is familiar with harm reduction. Yeah, what Could is you that? fill us in on that? Filter. Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess the idea is uh, that um, 
if there's a point where maybe you are, uh, you know, you're addicted or dependent uh, or in some way on uh, a substance and you find that it's affecting your life negatively and you want to change, but you're not far along enough yet, or maybe you have chosen that your path is different, you don't, uh, or maybe you've been to some AA meetings and it doesn't quite feel right or you're not ready, but you still want to do something, there's typically not a lot of resources for people in that space in between. So uh, I think it's becoming more popular. I was doing more research at the time, but um, I heard, can I name the name of the uh, counselor who runs a group in San Francisco? Um, I think that we don't do professional okay. shout outs here. Not no yet. Problem. We haven't really I'm discussed have. it as a policy yet. So thanks for asking. But okay. um, yeah, on. so I heard, I think it was through my, um, through my, therapist that I was seeing, like a you know, cognitive behavioral therapist, uh, mentioned that there was um, another therapist or a colleague or so, somehow in their network they discovered um, this resource that they shared with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this therapist was, was uh, having, I guess uh, they had some uh, you know, substance abuse experience and expertise. And they decided to start a harm reduction group, and the goal of that was, you know, what can you do to change your behavior without fully letting go of your dependency um, or whatever the substance is. It was uh, typically, uh, it wasn't like nicotine, but, you know, alcohol, drugs, um, specifically there were some amphetamines, uh, some non-specified, you know, I'm guessing, you know, you know party street drug type stuff. I don't know if anybody was yeah. um, doing, anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to go down the laundry list, but I, I so the like, idea was that we will, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like I've actually come across something similar to that, but it's, I, I don't think it, it was particularly called like harm reduction, but it was like a group mm -hmm. that was um, providing support if you wanted to um, get off booze or drugs, but it was like science based. Like I had mm -hmm. met, um, someone when I lived in the mission and he actually owns a bar, but he's sober and he was inviting me to, um, check it out. And it was like science based. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. interesting. I don't think that, that we didn't lead with science, but there were definitely resources that, uh, they were using to guide each session and so they came from like workbooks and we had exercises so there was like some structure and some formality and I think it was based on you know addiction research but it was more it was like softer you know it was more of like a um, there was structure but it was really just some people getting together to kind of get on the same page uh, you know, we each have our own personal relationship with whatever the substance was, but, uh, you know, together we were exploring tools and techniques to, like, better understand it, to, like, talk about it, and um, talked about our, uh, talked about strategies generally of approaching it, like, things like, literally, like, apps that count the number of times you, you know, you use, or, like, people would go to a bar with, like, four elastic bands around their wrist, and every time they had a drink, they'd take one off. Oh, I've wow. heard this and, one. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and ripping paper, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so just a wide variety. So, like, every week we get together and we just kind of recap what our experience was like. 
Oh, wow. So has, has it been effective? Well, I think so. I think for, for me, uh, I, I adopted something really uh, both difficult generally, but extremely easy for me. And I don't know what it is. I just happen to stumble upon a hack for myself personally, but I'm not sure I would have gotten there if I hadn't gone to these harm reduction meetings because they really, you felt accountable, you know, like you would say, like, you know, well, you know, this week I I plan to, you know, um, try to moderate my behavior by doing, you know, this thing. So for me, you know, it could be just something that was like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to drink for a week. Like, that's my goal. It's that simple. Or I'm only going to have X drinks and I'm going to track them. And then, you know, so just kind of exercising some control and some mindfulness and some thought. Has, uh, I think I've had X drinks. Has, has, been, has been being involved in a support community uh, helped, uh, uh, have been a big part of the help, do you think? Uh, being a part of the community would be that help. Be, being a, a part of a group of people that are. Um, there to support you through this. Do you think that's been a big oh, part definitely. of the help? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, totally. Like in, in like numerous ways. I mean, from. I mean, this probably sounds crappy, and you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm really a novice with this, so forgive me if I'm saying crass or you know, um, <laughs> I don't know, like things that you all nod quietly to yourselves, saying, "Oh yeah, I used to say that," but like, you know, just to <laughs> just to hear other people's stories and and be like. Oh well, I guess I'm not that bad off, you know. Or uh, on the other side, it's like, oh wow, I'm surprised that the, this is like problematic behavior for them. But it kind of helped me find my place, like on the on the spectrum of of functionality. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, yeah, and so that kind of helped. It helped me kind of like put some boundaries around it and like better cal- define it. Mm, calibrate yourself to to find yeah, out what right. your extent of yeah. issues were. Like for me, I don't think at least personally I have no judgment around like the things that you're sharing I actually feel like I've been that person where I would say like okay I'm only gonna drink wine and then Mm -hmm. there was a period where I was like I'm just gonna have champagne because I'm gonna keep it classy you know or I'm only gonna drink maybe like once a month or just like on the weekends or I also started doing like just on vacation so I definitely had had like different boundaries at different points in my life Mm. and I mean they worked during those periods and um I'm just I'm an extreme person so I (laughs) I I didn't realize that I didn't really have any control over it but then it comes back to like me understanding like with my genes right it's mm-hmm. it's in me mm-hmm. so yeah what works for me now is just really abstaining from it and it starts with my mind mhm yeah i uh yeah. I, i've yeah <laughs> well that's really interesting harm reduction and um i'm only going to have x number of of drinks um on a on a given night i like the elastic band idea that's um because i like elastic band Mm -hmm. Uh, but um i think it's just it's really interesting as a way to sort of meter um 
you know, and limit what, what you're going to get. I, uh, I mean, you know, me personally, I would have just, you know, gotten through the four bands and then just said, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm going to go buy a bottle that has a handle on it and, you know, just work my way through that. I just, I have no self-control. You're not a quitter. (laughs) (laughs) How do the, how do people in the meetings handle, um, I guess, uh, setbacks or, or, or people who have lost control if they come over and they're like, oh, you know, I, again, or uh, I keep trying and I screwed up. Like, what's the reception yeah, like? It, yeah, it varies. Uh, some people, um, you know, express shame and disappointment and some people just matter-of-factly would say, you know, like, this is my plan, this is what I did. And, you know, it's just almost just like a math problem. You know, um, uh, but interestingly, there was super high attrition. Like each of those groups, we started with like maybe, you know, like you know, sixteen people would sign up. Maybe twelve would show up on the first first week, and then it would dwindle until you were like with three people with with the counselor. And at that, so at that point, it got kind of weird because now you're like three known personalities who know who are comfortable interacting with each other, and we kind of get to know each other. Uh-huh. Whereas early on, it was like there was there was more like anonymity. You know, it was more of a I'm just a voice in the room, not like here's my identity. And so, so I, I can't. I wish I could speak to that more, but uh, I just remember, you know, in my memory now, there's like three clusters of maybe types of people who attended and mm. but they were probably the most durable ones like you know the ones who stuck to like were there at the end of the you know the end of the series of sessions do you see any pattern in those people like did they have reasons for sticking around did they you know were they vocal about why they were there i'm just sort of curious yeah. what motivates them to to stick yeah, around i never got into um i don't know that i've i heard any like People weren't were uh, not a lot of detail, uh, yeah. right? So it's, I think there were some people uh, that it wasn't even clear what their you know what their substance was. Mm. I'd say it's mostly drinking, um, and so those people seem to be easier to talk about it. I think the further you go along the social accept, accept, acceptance, you know, like value, the less people talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there was just not a lot of. Uh, like I've been to some AA meetings, and I know that people seem to be more—they um, share more. You know, it, there seems to be greater, like I don't know, um, like earnestness, or it comes from this like it comes from the heart. Like I feel like people have have gone through some shit, you know, to to sit there and, and they've got nothing to lose. Whereas here in these meetings, there seemed a little bit more experimental and less committed. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. I, I I couldn't tell you a single like personal story from anybody that wasn't um, you know a summary of of their substance usage for the past week or two weeks. Interesting. Hey, we yeah, have it a. Stop uh, me from speculating, but <laughs> I I have no idea really. Mm-hmm. Um, just to uh, step back for a moment, we have a new person or another person has just stepped into the studio would you like to introduce yourself hi guys can you hear me yes yes hey uh this is jay quellen jay quellen jay quellen back i was gone last week because it was my birthday 
You're out in the field. But I did call in, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I was out in the field. But um, wait, who's our caller? Uh, this is Philbert. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hi, pleased to meet you. Thanks for having hey, me. Hey, Philbert. Um, did did you just call in or? Um. Uh-huh. Uh yeah. Uh, the uh, yes. Oh, cool. Uh, but not not it wasn't. Was not it wasn't uh, there was some motivation to do so. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, like, you don't <clears throat> you don't know any of us. <laughs> I I just know the gentleman who uh, answered my call. Oh, cool, cool. We like to keep things anonymous here. Yeah, um, yeah. Our secret identity. Yeah, we've been discussing harm reduction. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, awesome. Nice to meet you. Thanks, you too. I thought it'd be uh, interesting, maybe a little funny, to uh, read from the big book um, the list of things that um, are listed as things we have tried to drink uh, like normal people. The Here are the methods. Can we make it a game and make it fun? I'll say, like, yes or no, if I've, like, done it or sure, not done it. Sure, sure. For all I of like us. That. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only. Limiting the number of drinks. Hold on. Wait, slow down. Hold Drinking on. beer slow only. Down. Bourbon. Drinking beer only. I've tried it. What about you? Yeah, I've tried it. Nah, could never do that. It's my oh. default state. <clears throat> Limiting the number of drinks. Yes, for sure. Yep. Sure, tried that, yeah. Uh, never drinking alone. No, never tried that. <laughs> I've tried that, yes. <laughs> uh, drinking only at home. Nope. Yeah, that worked. Wait. Oh, to in order to Who's reduce home? drinking. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea, but um, yeah, your home, the other my way home, yeah. friends' homes. It's in the list. Yes. Uh, never having it in the house. Yes. Drinking in no. front of a mirror on one of those. <laughs> I don't think that's alone. That's a good one. I think that's like me, myself, and I don't Irene. know. <laughs> Irene. Uh, never having it in the house. Going once. Nah. Uh, Never during business hours. Please, lunchtime. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I did that. I did that. Drinking only at parties. Yeah. Aspirationally. Switching from scotch to brandy. (laughs) (laughs) I drink all the hard liquor all the time. Gin. Gin is my best friend. Keep in mind, this was written, you know, over 80 years ago. Drinking only natural wines. This is, I made natural wines. What, what is that that you're reading? <laughs> uh, this is from more about alcoholism uh, from the big book. No, it's really good. Uh, uh, I understand the spirit. Agreeing of it. to resign if ever drunk on the job. What? Taking a trip. Re- not taking a yes, trip. Sorry, wait, Both. back up. Is that resign from the job or resign Re- from drinking? Uh, agreeing to resign. <laughs> I'm assuming resign from the job. Okay, that's extreme. I've been fired from a few jobs. Yeah. Uh, taking a trip or not taking a trip. Yes. Uh, swearing off forever with or without a thol- solemn oath. Nope. Bargain with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, taking more physical. Never again. Taking more physical exercise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, as a balance to drink. as a balance to oh, drinking. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Reading inspirational books. Self help. Nice. Yeah. I don't read. Yeah. Going to health farms and sanitariums. Nope. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it's well, a rehab. Yeah. Oh, that, yes. Oh, sorry. Health farms and sanitariums are the old timey rehabs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what they called the rehabs in the old timeies. 
times. I want to shout out Florida. They have amazing rehabs there. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one on the list, uh, I'm not sure what the modern equivalent of this would be, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. Hospital. Oh That's yeah. a hospital. I guess hospitalization. Wow. Like, you hear all these, like, um, celebrities that they check in themselves when, you know, I, I don't know if it's, like, with alcohol or with drugs, but kind of, like, for their mental health. I think that's tied in with that one. Yeah, yeah. Just taking a break from the world. Um, what about after having been pulled over by the popo and gotten a DUI? Drunk tank. Drunk tank? Yeah, never happened to me, <laughs> but it sounds fun. I don't that's think that's the drunk tank. I think that's the, the arrest tank. Oh. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's jail just jail. jail. Drunk, tank is, <laughs> drunk tank is just public <laughs> intoxication. That's typically the county jail. Okay. I think you've stumbled across a great name for, for the television version of this show. Yeah, drunk, drunk, drunk tank? tank? Yeah. yeah. Shark tank. But, uh, actually, <laughs> if I may um, jump in here, guys, yeah. it just reminded me of... Uh, did anybody watch the Andy Griffith show growing up? No. Nope. I, yeah. It should be. But that's required viewing for all uh, for all Americans. I mean, all, all real Americans. It was on Nick at Night. What I does guess. that mean? <laughs> um, what does that mean? I'm a real boy. And uh, I will say this for any anybody out there, any listeners out there who did, um, shout out to Otis. Otis Sorry. is the uh, he's the town drunk. Oh, that's so right. So in a lot of these shows, there was always like a town drunk. Growing up, you know, I was just funny, you know, but he would check himself into the jail. Andy, Andy had the jail. Otis would go in, lock himself in. Oh, I was beating the wife again or whatever. And, uh, maybe. What's that? Cue laugh track. laugh track for those. Oh yeah. For the wife beating. And, uh, and yeah, where have I heard that before recently? But, uh, yeah. Anyways, Otis. We were talking I think last week about uh, stage Irish, which is that character. Yes, um, and that's what I. Yeah, that's where I remember it from. AKA yeah. Patty Wackery. I don't know where that word comes from, but um, stage Irish was like the portrayal of a certain type of person who was just always drunk. They were kind of like this token, you know, token kind of, you know, near do well that was stereotyped in society and that got elevated and used and repeated in oh. uh, in theater and and then in television and Otis is kind of an example of that and also um well can we run with this topic yeah. or do you guys want to talk about something oh, else oh yeah. so we still have a guest on yeah, the phone yeah yeah Philbert <laughs> yeah oh, I'm thoroughly entertained Philbert who who is your Filbert? favorite Philbert with an F. So, uh, who is your favorite television drunk? Um, yeah, I was trying to think about that. I don't know if there's anybody who was constantly drunk that stands out. But I think I remember in cartoons, like characters would get drunk who? pretty regularly. Oh yeah, and they're like heads. Or, they have like birds. The red nose. Like it was, it was just common, and it was like, oh, oops. oh yeah. Well, Barney from The Simpsons that. got sober in about the 18th season. Oh, wow. Oh, what about the dog in um, Family Guy? The dog was a drunk guy. Brian? Yeah. Bri no. Brian? Yes. He always like drinks his like cocktails, and yes, He's he modeled definitely. after oh, yeah. Seth MacFarlane. So. He a drunk. <laughs> Brian is like so smart and composed. Yeah, he's high functioning. Oh. <laughs> I always admired Brian. 
I know, but still, just because you admire somebody doesn't like, you know, it doesn't save you from the disease. <laughs> well, should I wrap up my um, uh, harm reduction and, and moderation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would just say that it really helped me define my relationship with alcohol and set me off on my own successful harm reduction but i know that it's still like there's still risk and I'm, it's like it's like i haven't sealed the casket you know what i mean how long so you, I, I still wonder if someday you know i'll i'll, I'll be joining the rooms but do you, mind, do you mind if i ask I, how I really, do you mind if i ask how old you are approximately, approximately. age range uh which yeah, decade sure. are you in? i am <laughs> i am older than 40 but less than 50 okay and and mm. how long have you been experimenting with harm reduction, or how long has it been working for you? Uh, years, like maybe uh, uh, about ten years, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome that yeah. you found so something that works. The for process you. I landed on was um, I found that unlike anywhere else in my life, uh, I am able to um, just stop for almost any arbitrary period of time. Um, What's the longest? Um, a year. Wow. Uh, 18 months. Yeah. Wow. But the only reason, this is the trick, this is my hack. It's only because I could only do it because I knew that I would be able to drink again. <laughs> if otherwise, like, I swear that was it. Like, there's this carrot way, way down the calendar mm. that I could focus on. And that's the only way I was able to do it. And I swear, like, I, after doing it repeatedly, I just don't even think about it. Like, I'm in a two-month, uh, what I call a long, dry summer, and I, I'm just not even thinking about it. But occasionally, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that date is coming. Well, good. I can I can just forget about it. And so it's working for me. I don't know how long it's going to work, but uh, the more stable my life gets, the do less. You, do you set specific dates? Let, let him finish. Sorry. Do you set specific could, dates? Could you say that last part again? Silver. Yeah, yeah. So I'll set a specific date. It's usually something based on. Uh, it's either like, it's either a birthday, a holiday, a New Year, uh, an equinox, or a solstice. Uh, don't ask me. I wish I, I. That's just what I resolved on. Those seem to work for me. So I'm, I'm not pagan or anything, but it's just something about the uh, you know feeling like I'm I'm on the spinning rock and that there's you know math involved somehow. It, it just helps. <laughs> Um, but one of the things you said was that uh, just, you know, having that date down the road um, is somehow what kept you from, from drinking again or, or using or whatever mm -hmm. it is that you do. Um, and could you tell us a little more on that? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, Bob. I just was really curious what, the, what that mechanism is. How did that work for you? Like, how was, how were you able, how, it, how did that cause you to lose your desire to drink for that period of time um yeah so i i wish i could i just got so lucky that i found this hack that works now it's not a hundred percent there have been times so i also have to ramp up to it i have to i have to prepare for this i have to spend a couple weeks or longer ramping up for the start date and the end date of abstinence abstinence and like if I ran, if I kind of psych myself up enough, which is usually, um, I I don't know really what the mechanism is, but to test it, if I imagine that that day won't come, 
I get like very anxious and depressed and, and I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like that, that, uh, comforts, you know, that crutch and that, uh, you know, that whatever, I don't quite get to oblivion anymore, but that just that, that relief isn't going to be there. You know, it's like being on death row as opposed to being, you know, in prison for, you know, X months or years. And so, it, like, if, if, it's, if it were removed, like, if you said, okay, uh, start on this date, and then you'll never drink again, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just my reaction to it is just, like, this visceral panic. Uh, but if I know the date's coming, and, if, yeah. you know, I look both ways when I cross streets, uh, I'll get there. And, and that's, that's good enough for me. So, like, and, and then uh, typically what happens is I'll start drinking and it'll start ramping up. So you can almost graph it parabolically and then I have to do it again. And what happens when you drink parabolically? Uh, the, it, it tapers off lower than it used to, but honestly I've never been, um, as an adult, like, you know, say my thirties on, uh, it's it's usually not that bad. It's just like uh, a very strong handicap that just reduces my effectiveness as a human. But I don't have any like uh, acting out, uh, you know, violence, DUI, irresponsible stuff, trying to steal cars, lighting fires, any of that old old stuff I used to do back in the day. Uh, so <laughs> now it's you. just like it's like holy shit! I'm drinking a lot and I'm gaining weight and my recycle bin is embarrassing. Uh, so I'm just like okay, that's just those are like the flags and I'm like okay. Right back off. Well, would you think maybe you're normal and you don't have alcoholism? Uh, that's debatable. So, like, what you know, I have very uh, alcoholic genes, and um, I try to imagine like, um, what if this were Coca-Cola? You know, and it would be like that would just be an absurd amount of soda to drink. Like, why would anybody drink that much soda? But if it's alcohol, like I know what it does to me, you know, like I know that, you know, like the, the, the taste, the effect, the, it's just flips a switch for me. And I, if, if I weren't moderating and if I weren't exercising in harm reduction, reduction, and if I didn't have like a stable life elsewhere, and if I didn't have, you know, um, you know, people I care about and who care about me, and if I didn't have other healthy pursuits, um, pretty sure it would go badly yeah um, but i think it's like this this maintenance and this awareness and trying to tamp down the you know the embers um that works for me um but i still one of the things one of the exercises we had to do in this harm reduction thing was write um a letter to your substance oh, um i've done that I wrote, with cigarettes i ended up writing like a love letter it yeah it was like it was like my best friend. It was like it was like, oh, you're just the best. Was it a breakup letter? So no, it was like I'm going away to I'm going like uh, to study abroad for summer letter. <laughs> oh, like taking a break, yeah. not a breakup. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And, and it was like it was like a morning, you know, like a morning feeling. So you know, I don't think I'm not on the side of this, you know, continuum where it's dangerous. Uh, could be whatever, but I'm definitely not a normal drinker, especially now that a lot of stats and studies are coming out, and I'm looking at what is like quote normal unquote, and I'm like, no, I'm not. That's I'm not. My scale has bigger units than that. 
that's a really interesting tool, the writing a letter thing. I just, for some, somehow I never heard of that before. Would you guys write if you had to choose? Would they be Dear John letters? Yeah, I probably still have it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could call it in some other time. But well, thanks for letting me um, share my story. Uh, All right, Philbert. Any last yeah, uh, to, questions uh, or comments? Yeah, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks a lot. That was really, uh, I think, insightful, and it offers another option to people who are, um, you know maybe not comfortable with some of the mainstream programs that society offers. And so having an alternative like that is certainly, uh, you know, a thing to, that's good to know about. Um, yeah, it's helpful for me. Uh, All right. Thanks. I felt really welcomed. And, uh, I am oh, sorry about that. Be an avid, avid listener. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Philbert. Thanks, Philbert. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. So that stuff that he was sharing, I actually um, heard of something, I, I, I wouldn't say similar, but in the same vicinity, I guess. It's like an eight-week positive psychology and community building program, and it's for people to overcome unhealthy relationships with alcohol. So it's not like because you have alcoholism, it's more of like exploring your relationship, and it also uses like technology where the community is like online or you can meet in person and it's supposed to be like it's trending now where the 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 community like the 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 meeting is that what you're saying it's it's not it's not like the meetings that we go to no it's more of i mean i haven't really pursued checking it out because I'm, an, I'm happy with like what I'm doing and that like works for me right mm. now. Is it a, like an app? They do have an app, but there's also like a website. It's actually from, um, a share from my family member and she's been like urging me to like write a little bit or like submit an article with this company. But yeah, it's not particularly because you identify as an alcoholic, but it's more of like you want to review what your relationship is with alcohol. So it's like self, yeah. What is it? Harm reduction? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would be more about that instead of like complete abstinence, which is what I practice today. Is that something that people discuss in meetings before? They get into abstinence. Do they they need to know their relationship before they practice abstinence, or I think, at least in my life, I ended up abstaining because I just realized that I couldn't do it. Like I tried to moderate. I tried many different things, and. It just wasn't working and I I just got really sick so it was a matter of like life or death for me and I, I hear this also um, where they say it's the the last house on the block and then after that there's no house <laughs> so yeah I, I just can't do it for health and for my sanity 
are there do you see people from a different levels that come to the meetings or is everyone get to ground like will you see a lot of change do they have to be at like ground zero yeah no actually i i do know of people that have come when they were younger or people that still have their lives together but it's more of like how they feel inside where everyone has that same feeling where your your life is just unmanageable but yeah um so uh jay quellen uh what are your thoughts on harm reduction uh, like, well, of course, hey, free speech radio. <laughs> I forget. Welcome back to uh, High Spirits, everybody. Yeah. High Spirits. High Spirits on mutinyradio.fm. Um, that's cool that we had a caller, Philbert. That's awesome. Um, and uh, just a random caller, not re- not connected with anybody here. <laughs> yeah, just like our, our first caller on our first show, nobody knew that guy. Yeah. Um, Fully uh, anonymous, wall to wall. Yeah, five by five. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like actually, this is now we can now it's getting my gears turning. I I really don't know anything about it. I'm not qualified to talk about it, but my um, my my knee jerk is just like, um, it's not, it's not for me. Uh, but I certainly I can understand how it could work for somebody else. I mean, well, actually, actually, sorry, I can understand how moderation would work for someone else, but I don't know what harm reduction is. So I have to do my homework on that. But um, just to just to go off on a little bit of a side note from that, um, my well. A friend, let's say that, a friend of mine recently asked me if it was okay to do CBD oil while being in recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. And anyways, just this harm reduction thing that I don't know anything about just got me thinking about, um, just reminded me that I got asked that question. And the reason I thought about that is because you know what? Like, I don't know. Mm. And so I was like, well, let's, let's both individually do some real homework on this. And, uh, my knee jerk says, no, don't do it. It's not right. But I want to keep an open mind and, you know, like maybe it's not for me, but maybe it's for that. Maybe it's for that other person. So anyways, I was trying to understand if, uh, cause everybody says like, oh, CBD is not psychoactive, but THC is psychoactive. So that's the thing where you get the quote high. I read that a lot. I read some Harvard article about it too, where the guy was like, no, CBD is not, not a high component, but there's like hundred plus cannabinoids, if that's what they're called in the, in the product. So anyways, I'll, I'll take a step back from that, but just my ignorance on harm reduction reminded me of like, and as an alternative to, um, AA and stuff like that just reminded me of how I'm on behalf of my friend going to explore this CBD thing because it's sort of like, it's like, uh, you know, we say as prescribed, I don't know where that's written or where that comes from, but you hear that a lot in meetings is as prescribed is okay. So it's like, if you, you know, if you were in an accident and you get prescribed, uh, painkillers, 
that have addictive potential, you know, take them as prescribed and you're mm -hmm. not breaking your sobriety as a result of taking the, that, um, what is it? Uh, whatever Coca said uh, or yeah, whatever. I don't even know. I mean, I mean they, they say that, um, some types of thing, you know, accidents like a, a bone break. Um, if you don't take a, uh, mm -hmm. an opioid that yeah. it can, opioid, yeah. you, you can end up with, uh, poor healing because you're not getting enough rest due to the pain. And so your, your bones and your ligaments heal slower or something yeah. like that. So, so basically it's like, yeah, my, my friend and I, we were talking about like, the spirit of, and I feel like it's like the Supreme Court interpreting some kind of, you know, looking at precedents for some case that's being brought to them. Um, when I think of like, what do we mean by as prescribed, you know, and, and CBD oil, like is CBD oil just like if someone's taking bipolar medication or taking that as prescribed, um, well, we're just opioid or whatever. Is, is that, is that fine? Um, anyways, it's a good question. I mean, you know, marijuana and THC and, and cannabinoids are often promoted as, as being medicine. Um, but the, you know, I think that the science behind that, uh, is sort of a mixed bag at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, like ayahuasca is met. It could be considered medicine or. Yeah. Or, uh, and I'm not trying to say that it's not. All, all I'm saying is. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> There's someone there on ayahuasca outside. outside. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing that our windows braced. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, the, for me, that just sort of raises the 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 issue of well self-medication because i was a frequent um i frequently used as as prescribed um what, and what i prescribed to myself <laughs> what did you use um well weed i you know okay. there was a time when i so we're, we're the same kind of doctor because that's what i did yeah. too <laughs> we, weed and alcohol were my two main um medicines what that, did you use it for what was what was like what were your symptoms um, social anxiety, nice. uh, not f believing that I was creative enough or happy enough. Like there were, there were, was a handful of different ailments that I, I, I felt that it would cure me of. And, and occasionally, very occasionally it did help me. Really helped with my ADD. Yeah. <laughs> did it? Did yeah. it calm oh, you it down? Really, it oh, really yeah. did. Oh yeah. Oh. And it helped me focus. And that was also like um, self-prescribed. Oh yeah, yeah. When I was sixteen, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and how long were you on on that regimen? I smoked every day until my late twenties. Okay, and then what happened? Were uh, you cured? No, I <laughs> I stopped for a time, and when I tried to start again, it just didn't feel the same, and I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think I had started drinking pretty heavily by that point, and I think the two just probably didn't mix very well. Mm -hmm. I think you just need to practice, because I had to practice. <laughs> I, I had to get both. back in practice. Yeah. 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 Probably not not drinking, you know, a fifth a night probably would have helped too. Nice. It's like tennis; you got to work on your practice, your serve over and over again until yeah. you get it right. You got to aim straight up. Got to. Mm -hmm. Gotta gotta lift those shot glasses straight up and uh until you till you develop an Olympic arm. 
There is actually a, um, a beer drinking muscle. Is there? <laughs> there is. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or like that's like the, the street name for it, but I wish I could tell you the scientific name. You know, I have a... I have a um, an internet-enabled device in your hand. Uh, yes, but it also has installed on it a, um, a an anatomy app. So I'm going to go looking oh, for the beer muscle. Nice. You know, I think we should get um, research for the harm reduction. I suggest that I go to this and I try drinking just wine, yeah. and then you guys like yeah, I'm, I'm against that <laughs> check idea. in with me. Wait, are you joking? Or? I think she's joking. <laughs> Half joking. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. The, my, the Going undercover. My friends in recovery <laughs> who, who told me about their experiences with harm reduction um, in general, and uh, th- what, they've, what they've told me about it was just that, um, uh, I mean, and the thing is, it, you know, I mean, alcoholism especially is a progressive disease. And it, you know, it cycles, you get better and then you get worse. And the problem is because it's progressive, every time you get worse, it's a little bit worse and sometimes mm. a lot bit worse than the previous time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, if harm reduction works, that's great. Um, uh, it's just like, I, I remember when I had like my first therapist and this was like after getting out of, um, rehab and I was actually like in sober living and, um, I was working with a therapist that was about, um, harm reduction and sobriety and, um, processing like trauma. And I actually asked her because I was like, my first thought was like, will I never be able to drink again? And she like a lot of very good therapists will never give you an answer. They want you to Mm -hmm. come to your own answer, your own conclusion, right? Because if it's somebody else telling you, then it's not going to work. It has to be like your decision. And she just posts like a question. She said, if one day, you know, let's say it's New Year's or whatever, and you feel like you can have a toast of champagne and like have a sip or half a glass or whatever and not think about it mm-hmm. maybe but that's up to you because that's what recovery is about right you get recovered and then you can drink again like a normal person <laughs> i honestly don't know because like the last lip up i had i had a sip yeah. of wine in church and that drove me crazy later on and i didn't realize yeah. it in the beginning well, i don't even know if i would consider that a relapse <laughs> Honestly, I I knew what I was doing. I I really do. Like I, and I think this is like one of the things that they teach us or that you learn in um, secret society is that the disease is very insidious. Yes, like it'll think of many different ways. Cunning, baffling, and powerful. Yeah. So, I. I mean, my life is a lot better, for sure, and I'm gonna keep trying my hardest to not reverse back because whatever point I got to was pretty shitty. We can say shitty, right? Yeah. 
Sure. Pretty much. Yeah. It's pretty poopy. Well, Why couldn't you say poopy. shitty? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You, this Mo- is free speech radio. Well-mannered. Most stories I hear of relapse, I mean, it's not a sudden thing. At some level, you know, it was a planned thing for some period of time. You know, maybe not even consciously, but, you know, it, it was, you know, it's... I don't know. What is that? I don't know. No, it's our neighbors. Yeah. Oh, I see. You can hear it so so clearly. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. my, my noise-canceling headphones, I can't hear any of that. So I you guys keep doing nice. that. And I'm like, what? Cool. what's going on? I wonder what... Because uh, um, I guess... Because we do have a meeting here at, at Mutiny Radio as well, like a real AA meeting. Um, and so we hear our neighbors and... I guess if you're in the ra- the sound booth and you're doing your show, you're probably not that loud. But I am curious what what our neighbors upstairs think is going on down here. <laughs> I don't think we're loud though. Well, Are we? We're like like this Wednesday when we're all chatting after. Oh yeah, loud. outside probably. I mean, they're, I think I've met some of them and they're they seem like super super cool, super chill. But but anyways, I, if I was up there and I had no context, I'd be like, what the. Yeah, compared to the stand-up comedy events who they have here. Oh yeah, I don't think that that. That's we're, true. We're, we're very tame. Yeah, super tame. Very G-rated versus the stand-up comedy. Free speech radio. Super tame. Super tame. Here we are on High Spirits at Mutiny FM. Is this uh, MutinyRadio.fm? Is this um, lo-fi hip-hop that you have on in the background? I'm not sure what it is. There's a. Uh, oh yeah, that's lo-fi hip-hop. Nice. It's super chill, almost algorithmic music. Um, it's like a live stream that just keeps playing. Courtesy Shadow so, Lady. Um, so, uh, anything anybody want to say right now? I was going to go somewhere. Well, you mentioned relapse, and I was wondering how uh, seriously it, it's, or how weighted it's taken when people bring it up in meetings if it's something that you just get back on the horse like they don't acknowledge they don't put too much weight on it or is it something like like hold everybody's got to yeah that's a good question it can be very devastating for people actually um but i mean ultimately you know it I mean, it's it's not the end of your sobriety. It's just another step in your sobriety. You know, it's it, it could be a like you know, but they they sometimes call it doing research. Oh. That you know, when you go out, when you relapse, that you're you know, you're discovering for yourself what it uh, you know that whether sobriety was for you, um, whether or whether drinking is for you. You're reminding your nervous system your body you know what it felt what it feels like to be a drunk again or whatever drug it is that you use and so could you repeat your question well i was wondering when you're in a meeting of about 25 30 people and someone has a relapse is it triggering for the room is it Hmm. dealt with humorously is it i don't know how the leaders i think great question yeah, I think um, no. That's a great question. It's actually it's something that comes up perennially, I think, in different fellowships and groups as to how what's the spirit of handling this term and concept of relapse. And different, I think, different communities have different perspectives on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, I... uh, but um, uh, shoot, I was just 
thinking that I Sorry, can you restate the question? Yeah, well, I, well, like, well, I, I had a thought on it. It, it, it. I would imagine there you'd hear a variety of, uh, you know, oh, uh, trigger. Uh, yeah, like do people um, does the whole room get upset? Right, is the person no. devastated? Okay. Are they chastised? Are yeah, they, I got you. Is it like, hey, don't worry about it. I, I mean, like, I think, I think, no, that's I got you now. Yeah, so I think in my experience, um, people, you know, listen. It's in a lot of people's stories, as we would say. So I think people are very supportive. Um, and sometimes you do get crosstalk or like, you know, the non-crosstalk share where it's like, well, um, as so-and-so is saying, um, I experienced that and then this is how I worked it out. So I don't think there's any ostracizing um, but that, that, I, that does, I've really seen. It does kind of depend on the fellowship, it, it, like you were saying before. It does. And I will say that, I mean... Just uh, where what I was thinking on the topic is that I know Bob was sharing a perspective of, yeah, I don't know, well, tolerance or no, it's not about tolerance or being forgiving or whatever. That's that's all good stuff. I think I think all I want to say is that on, on the relapse thing is that um, I am definitely not interested in perpetuating a notion that relapse is okay, you know, right? And that that it's like, oh yeah, it's just, you're gonna relapse, you know? Like, uh, it's all good. Cause I mean, that's dead. If you believe in what we believe in, it's deadly, right? The idea is that it's deadly. Um, it's a deadly research. Uh, it's a research that can end up in death. <laughs> and, and yet at the same time, we, uh, in some fellowships, we, we don't shame people for it. We just welcome them back in and we want them to know that they're, oh, yeah. that they're accepted regardless of what their experience has been, just so that they're, you know, that they want to come back to a meeting Absolutely. And, and get support. It sounds like an angry God versus a forgiving and loving God. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's what, um, well, I mean, I don't know if I can share this. Over the air, or some oh, shoot. Free radio. They said free yeah. speech. No, what happened? no. What? I mean, the thing is, is like we. There's just sort of like, how? What is the spirit of anonymity? You know, what? What can we share? I don't want to. Personally, I don't want to share anything that was said in a meeting that's on my mind. You know, if yeah. something was shared in a meeting 500 meetings ago, and it's like, you know, it's just a concept or whatever. But, but in any case, I okay. I'll, there's a general way to put this. Um, just a little bit on a no on the on a similar topic it's like yeah oh yeah this is relapse it's the same topic i have seen people i have been asked by people who are new to the program is it okay for me to go to a meeting drunk you know is it okay if i drank today can i go to a meeting it's it's some people who aren't familiar with the program or have gone a couple of times have asked me. I do a lot of service work, so I encounter people like this, and and I'm like, yeah, you go to the meeting, you know, we're alcoholics, like mm -hmm. we we drink and get drunk and we can't control it, and you know, it's like so that's the meeting is open for people who are struggling, and an open meeting is open to anybody who wants mm -hmm. to show up, you know, right? So um, I think that we do have some 
in a meeting just like uh, Bourbon <laughs> Bourbon Bourbon was That's saying uh, was saying that there's different or we were saying that there's different uh, perspectives and different communities and some spectrum but but uh, on that note there's no spectrum on who's welcome everyone's welcome if you drank this morning you're welcome at our meeting this evening but I think the the spectrum is really on like well do should that person share in a meeting you know what you know should they listen how do we support them you know after the meeting i think those are the questions that the group might have uh-huh. you know? and there is a thing that's usually read at the start of meetings which or i forget where exactly it, it comes from but the only requirement is, is to, to is a desire to, to stop training. traditions that's from the traditions and so um some meetings have they they do put up boundaries about people speaking or even being present in a meeting if they have alcohol on their breath or if they're visibly slurring their their words um in my perspective it's or in like in having done recovery in a few different um regions uh regions in california i i have i've been even with the different cultures you know maybe a more conservative culture in the central valley or hardcore or whatever you want to call it um, I have been pleasantly surprised by how much we will put up with, how much shit we will put up with in a meeting because that person is there. They need help. We want to help them out. It, it, if, if there's like, you know, violence or major disruption, you know, something like that, you know, I think a group group will a meeting will come to a group conscience on, oh, how do we deal with that? OK, we need to exclude that person. That's very rare. That's a really great point. I I think that there there is a lot of tolerance. It's very, very rarely that I've seen someone uh, asked to usually what I've seen happen is for someone just to, you know, be seated at the edge of the meeting or maybe just outside of the meeting if it's at a hall like at an Alano club. Um, Have you guys ever left a meeting? I was wondering this earlier. Like out of anger or just because I had an itch to scratch or I was hungry for a burger? For any reason. For any reason. Sure, yeah. yeah. Tater tots. One more. Two words. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, you all point. have? I yeah, mean, just not, why? Feel, not feeling it or... That's a good question. Um, just don't feel comfortable or just feel like I'm not getting anything out of the meeting. I've felt like leaving oh, I meetings. I was wondering if it, increasing increasing going to meetings, if that created a different week, like going more than, hmm. you know, if what, what the most amount you've done in a oh, yeah. period of time and, 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 and what it was like. That's a good question. Yeah, I think early... Yeah, that's a great question. This is a great perspective, like things that you might not think about regularly. There's a a thing in early sobriety called uh, 90 and 90, where you're encouraged to go to 90 meetings in in 90 days during uh, your early sobriety. Um, And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean one meeting a day. Um, uh, Early in my sobriety, I was going to two or three meetings a day. so, um, yeah, I mean, I probably the most I ever did was maybe 15 in a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking early on, like Bob said, I think, you know, five plus three plus three, thinking about, you know, a Saturday and a Sunday going to three. So that's 11. Yeah. 
So I think mm -hmm. I've done, I think I did 11 early on, but um, yeah. We also uh, say like, uh, go to meetings and participate in the program, or I guess it's just go to meetings like you drank. You know, that's also just sort of a shorthand for like replacement activity, you mm, know? Definitely. Way to soak up the wisdom and the solution, as we would say, but also it's just like a new habituation to a new routine, you know, like... Um, and it's yeah. always seemed to me like um, the majority of meetings on the schedule in any particular town are during prime drinking hours. Oh, that's good. So yeah. that, you know, when, you know, when you're at your you know feeling the most urge you've got places to go that's great yeah um and we do have a lot of meetings to choose from here <laughs> you, would, you would think you know one one thing is that i'm surprised by i mean san francisco is pretty sleepy like you can't get good food after 9 30 basically pretty much. but but um i mean so i shouldn't be surprised but i sort of thought i was like People say there's round-the-clock meetings in San Francisco. No, there's not round-the-clock meetings in San Francisco. Oh, there are meetings basically, you know, maybe start between 5 and 7, you know, in the morning. Until, and till basically, yeah, well, basically till 8, and then you have an occasional 8.30, 9, 10, and midnight meeting. There aren't that many midnight meetings in the city. Yeah. Uh, would you go to them if there were? I have been. I have been. To, I mean, when I started, moved back to the city and, and got my work life and, and living life back here years ago, I was exploring all kinds of meetings because I find it to be so dynamic and curious and whatever. And then there's there's meetings that I'm like, no, I'm not going to back back to that meeting. That was weird. <laughs> um, that was like, uh, yeah. Um, there's one off of Geary at midnight on Saturdays that is like in a dungeon in a basement and all the lights are off. And I was wow. like, I was like, uh, yeah, that's, I want to go to a midnight meeting, but I don't think I'm going to go back to that one. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, sounds like a party. <laughs> no, ultimately, I, I ultimately I would say it was safe. <laughs> there were people there. I chatted with them after, but yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the wee hours of the morning it could be a yeah. swing time, and other than like Pinecrest Diner and the. Oh yeah, Pinecrest Diner. Wow, taking me back. TL. Gotta have a hotel. Need a meeting. Hey, anyone want to start a early hours of the morning meeting I would think you'd need it that could be this is such a lonely time yeah I would hope that they uh, I wonder what the demand is I think that honestly I think I do think the demand is low because I think yeah if you had like really if you had a bunch of sober people who are active in the community who felt like we got to do a 1am meeting we'd be doing a 1am meeting you know, but I think also we're tired. I was know? wondering if, if, the, if that type of stuff is when it goes online, when you're not face to f when you're in forums or, you know, you're, you're, you're just online, you're chatting online as opposed to being in person. I, I don't know this, how, how um, strong of, of help it is when you're not face to face with people. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have a friend who we should have on who's very familiar with the online rooms i think there's a thing called in the rooms maybe it's an app or something where you can get all kinds of people from all over the country or world presumably and it would be cool to get get him on and get him like hooked up with a fake name on the show 
But uh, I haven't tried it out, but it is it seems like a good resource. Yeah, and you have all access all the time, or different yeah. types. Yeah, and it is like it's the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, but I think that, I mean, you were just saying this, like that human connection, though, is is really important. Um, that face-to-face, shaking hands, like we hug and shake hands and you feel very welcomed in that, like, even that, not in a creepy way, but that, like, touch, you know, that yeah. hug. It's like family. Yeah. It really, um, it really mattered a lot to me, even though I thought, like, why is everybody hugging, you know? And I'm not, like... Get I'm, an off of me. I'm an affectionate person, but like if somebody's new, I'm not going to hug them. That's weird. You know, but if I, if they're my friend, yeah, I like bring them in. <laughs> and yeah, once we get to know each other, yeah. we do become friends. But it was like, oh, another. that reminds me. Okay. I was like getting excited. <laughs> okay. So here's another thing. This is just, I don't, what do you call this? You can come up with the class of this, this example anecdote that I'm going to give. Um, when I first came in, it's like, okay, people exchange numbers, right guys? You know? Right. And people will offer their numbers just to give you. People will force their numbers on you. And exactly. And, and it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. I, well, I just wanted to say that when I was new, I was in it, deep in it, earnest, sold on it. And, you know, within a couple of months, and I remember sharing at a meeting like, oh yeah, like. I see these steps on the wall and I, I want to get into it and, you know, I want to get into it and, you know, I don't have a sponsor or whatever. And so of course people's ears perked up and it was a great meeting, 7am meeting, a lot of old time sobriety. And so this guy right there in the meeting, he wrote his number on a tore off a slip of ruled paper and like handed it to me during the meeting. And I was like, what the fuck? Who is this guy trying to give me his number? Right. And I will admittedly, I will say, I mean, I think of myself as an open, tolerant person. Um, but I did have a homophobic response to that. I, I have shared this with people and that's not, that's not me, but I can, I can say that there was a weird thing where I was like, why is this guy giving me his number? Anyways, you thought that you were being hit on. I, I get, I mean, I think I knew I wasn't, but I think there was something visceral about like, yeah. One of the early meetings I went to, um, this guy after the meeting uh, asked me for my number and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, okay, yeah. And, and no. he, was like, he was like, oh, oh, well, okay, let me give you mine. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think this is maybe an issue amongst uh, straight men that um, we feel wary and uncomfortable when other people are just uh, other guys are just too immediately friendly. No one is friendly. straight. No, no, it, no, it had nothing no. to do with that with me. It was just I, you know, a complete stranger just yeah, asking I, for my uh, giving, yeah. asking me to give him. I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't give out my phone numbers to yeah. strain, uh, strangers. On that note, actually, I had. Um, I have a Google Voice number and my number, right? And like that was very handy for me in like in in the rooms when I first started the first few years because I was I was like, all right, this person's sketchy. I'm giving them my Google Voice number. Okay, <laughs> I, I put it out there. I never revealed that to anybody. Now it's out there. But I think it was prudent because yeah. 
contact avoidance have, strategies. I get it. I get it. Have you ever been to like a, a sponsor-heavy meeting where uh, the potential sponsors actually have business cards? Oh, yeah. I've. Oh, my God. This is a hot topic, guys. Yeah. Oh, real quick, though, before I get to Bob's thing, all you guys have my Google Voice number, by the way. And and we'll we'll. Oh, change, what does that say we'll, about we'll, our we'll change the strength that. of our friendship? Just, just, wow. ki- just kidding, just kidding. I'm not picking up your phone calls hey. anymore. Just, just kidding. Someone did find out in the rooms, like a friend, and they were like, "Oh my god, I am so hurt." <laughs> but uh, so, Bob, um, I'm not even the, sure what it means, but what to be given a Google Voice number is it just a filtration he's technique? screening That's yeah what it's it sort means. of like how I have four different emails and like for the throwaway bullshit sign up for some offer I use my hotmail you know I see. but then like I keep my gmail like very um whatever but uh to Bob's thing the business cards mm-hmm. oh my gosh okay so you were saying sponsor heavy but like I have seen I've been to conferences and assemblies at the state level, regional level. There are people who come out there, uh, typically older, but sometimes younger. And, you know, maybe they spoke or you, you liked their share and I went up to them. Oh, hey, I'm so-and-so and nice to meet you. And they're like, here's my business card. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's, yeah, anyways. I've seen I, that I thought about it. Larger. I thought about getting a business card. <laughs> I've seen that happen at some of the larger uh, gatherings in the city by the bay here. That, um, you know, the city by like the bay. a speaker will show up and they're either wearing a suit or they're wearing a nice, crisp, Jeez freshly Louise. pressed business shirt. <laughs> yeah. And they've got a stack of business cards to hand out. And those business cards are not really for business, but for them being speakers. Just, you know, they're yeah. like, anytime you want to call, just give me a call. You can write me an email. Why speakers? Am I if you want me to come. There's an age attached to yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think old timey business. Yeah, there is kind of, there is, there is a group that I encountered though, where it is, it's actually pretty young and they all have business cards and it's just like their cult, their culture. Like they've all just sort of grown up in that. And I won't go into further detail on that group. (laughs) Well, what are the first four letters of that word (laughs) of the group name of culture? Oh, oh, dang, <laughs> Bourbon. What is your name, Bourbon? You keep changing your name. I didn't um, catch that. What just happened? Oh, man, that what was that good. Mean? Smart guy over there. Smart guy. Was that like a play on words? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first four letters of culture. Oh, Cult. This is a culture, guys. Oh. A is a culture. The meetings are a culture. All right. I'm, I got I have it. my own culture. Dude, you're blowing my mind. You know, hold on. And I got to say, Kevin is... This is... Okay. Bourbon. Bob. But I meant Bob. <laughs> I meant Anyhow. Bo- oh, gosh. We'll, we'll mix up. I meant Bob. Later. Bourbon, oh. who's somebody else. <laughs> so bourbon um, blew my mind. This is the second time over the years where bourbon has blown. This is the second time. The first time was where the seed was planted at a meeting. And then it was around the holidays where I was like thinking about Christmas. Like, what does Christmas mean? <laughs> and I won't get into it. But uh, anyways, Christ. culture. It's um, Christ on a cracker. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyhow, um, 
So uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. There, Man, I'm four for I'm I three guess, three for four because I wasn't here last week. I guess I'm editing uh, that last uh, utterance out. <laughs> Anyhow, um, you know there there have been there. You know when you go to these when you go to these to to fellowship, you meet a lot of people with a lot of different opinions about recovery and recovery meetings and. You know, just like our college night, a totally different form of recovery that some of us here, I think most of us here are maybe not um, familiar with, but I have met a variety of people in and out of uh, the alcoholics groups who refer to AA as being a cult. I mean, that's perhaps a topic for just another night by itself. Um, but they would just often joking, jokingly refer to the, you know, the cult. Um, Yet within within the cult is an, are are further cults like there are exactly it, it's like yes. turtles all the way down yeah like how I'm trying to convince you guys to start a bike gang <laughs> when are, when is that gonna happen we're all into the bike culture <laughs> I'm in I'm in I ride my bike I I we, want to you mean ride like fixies with tattoos and stuff I, I can't do fixies. Those are hard. Like those are the ones that like clip in, yeah. Those are the ones with no no or, uh, additional cogs in the back. Just the you one just cog have to pedal. Yeah, and pedal hard and to get uphill. No and bra- oh. there's no brakes. <laughs> the, the, thank you for giving me the opportunity to hate on fixies for a moment. Thank you. Maybe you don't that, really maybe see fixies tattoo. anymore. Fixies are out in the city. Fixies are super popular in Austin among the like cool biker guys and gals. Where it's just a whole lifestyle and culture. Yeah, and on the other hand, I have a triple, and like people are like, "Oh, you're such a." You Your know, bike has three wheels. What? <laughs> triple gears. Tri- triple gears. Um, wow. So. Is that a tricycle? <laughs> like one bike yeah. in the front, and then two. Uh, no, not bike. One wheel in the front, and then two in the back. What are those motorcycles that have three wheels that they market like as super cool for trikes. road trips? Trikes. Trikes? Yeah. The motorcycles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some of them were based and are based on like a VW Bug chassis where they just totally chopped it down until it was just the motor, the rear axle, uh. and then, you know, a couple of seats and, you know, luggage compartments. Um and it's kind of absurd because that's all it's anyways don't get me into it mechanical engineering wise um motorcycles are better anyways um so what are we doing next who's up do we have any callers well i am in touch with a potential caller uh madison (laughs) is that madison um it's uh well, I don't think he's going to call in, but it's Dr. Chuck from our first show. Oh, yeah, Dr. Chuck. Hey, Dr. Chuck, if you're listening, do you want to call in? Text me. Uh, the number here is 415-550-0511. Again, that number is 415-550-0511. You can also Operate. find it on... Oh, Standing by. You can also find the number on mutinyradio.fm. Oh, so okay. If we if we're just chilling, you know, if we're just yeah, filling up well, some air. Uh, we, I mean, we've got about twenty five minutes left. Yeah. If we, you know, we've kind of been cutting out at about ninety minutes. 
So um, it all depends on oh. everybody's fat- Friday night fatigue level. Yeah. I actually, you know, I have a lot of energy right now. I went to sleep at 4 a.m. last night. Me too. I took a nap today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I try. Well, I think I took a 20-minute nap. I had a fun day. I was in the TL for half the day, the first half. And, um, man, the TL, right? It's nuts. Um, That's going to be my new home if I relapse, according to my family. Oh, wow. You know, you hear people, you do hear people <laughs> often say, like, I was, I was, uh, you know, at the bottom of the, scraping the bottom of the barrel in the TL, and now, now I'm doing XYZ. They're just, like, solid as a result of the program. I hear quite a lot of those shares. I mean, it's not a surprise in, in SF recovery scene. Yeah. But, um, but those sometimes I think, wow, it could be such a spectacular transition. In the TL today, I was waiting for the bus, and um, this guy was carrying a huge wooden cross. What? This big guy. And then his sidekick guy was handing out like a... like. Oh, wait. This is in the mission? No, this was in the TL. Like oh, they were promoting... Got it, got they have it. a Never service, mind. Sunday service. And yeah, we were all smiles. Hey, what's going on? He's carrying the cross. And then he got on the corner and he just started like yelling. And, and then there were like two police officers on the different corners. And then there were like drug dealers on one corner. And I was just like, life in the TL. TL. It's crazy. And this was in the daytime. This was in the daytime. And there was a guy. I took a picture of it. Um... I'm showing you guys the picture over the radio. Oh, we have a caller. Um, oh, cool. I wonder if it's Dr. Chuck. This is who? Oh, it's Dr. Dr. G, right? Dr. Jim? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put you on the air, okay? Are you ready? Is that a... Is that a no, it's, it's... I think we can use her name. It's Dr. Kim. Oh, <laughs> I just blew your cupboard. <laughs> um, let's see here. Dr. Dr. Teeth. You're Dr. Teeth. There's a movie called Teeth. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Teeth. Bad movie. Hello. Hey, you're, you're here. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Hey, Dr. Teeth. Is Hello. that cool? Is that a cool nickname for you? Sure. I already blew your cover earlier, but I don't think anybody. Will, I know. Because because <laughs> you're because like you're um you're you're better, I guess your other half, your worser half, <laughs> uh, your worser half called in on the first show and uh, he wanted his he didn't care about having his name revealed. But anyways, uh, thanks for he's, calling he's in tired, to you High Spirits. He's tired today, so I am calling in on his behalf. Awesome! Just put the kid to sleep. Welcome yeah. to High Spirits hey, Radio. B- bored as hell. Uh, I, I suppose. <laughs> Doctor Teeth, what kind of doctor are you? Um. Oh, do I have to say? You don't have to say. No, you can say whatever you want. It's okay. It's up to you. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that anonymous. Okay. Cool. Cool. Good. Otherwise, I might get too many questions. Yeah. All right. Well. No. Great. <laughs> hey, you're just a civilian. You're not a doctor. You're just Doctor Teeth is actually. The former name of a bar on Mission Street, a beloved place oh, that's now called Teeth. Yes. It's just called oh, Teeth. That's cool. Um, that's right. And I was also thinking about Dr. Sleep, oh. which we talked about on the first first episode. 
What's Doctor Sleep? Remind us. Um, it's the sequel to sequel to The Shining. Remember, and it's all about oh, yeah. how the kid becomes an alcoholic and then goes into recovery and saves everybody. Where is this? I want to see this. It's becoming a movie. movie. Come out. Yeah, you oh. and McGregor is going to play Danny. Danny boy. <gasps> all right, we're. Okay, we hey, need to do gonna, this. We're, we're going to ride our bikes we're gonna to the movie cast, theater, <laughs> and we're going to watch this. Red um, Rob. So, Dr. Teeth, what's up? How are you doing? How's it going this evening? Um, um, not much. Just called to say hello. We missed most of your show. We've only been listening for the last 15 minutes, so I have no idea what you spoke about already. Well, yeah, we've been talking about... Uh, Harm reduction. We had a caller call in giving a perspective on harm reduction. Nice. We're we're talking about specifically about about harm reduction. uh, I actually don't really know, but the others do. It's like putting boundaries. Um, The Filbert was saying he would set a period where he wouldn't drink, and then let's say like for a holiday or a birthday, that's when he would drink, or he said like solstice, solstice which I thought was super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, when he was, I wanted to tell Philbert that, uh, hi Philbert, hope you're still listening. Um, people are starting to do this sober October because it rhymes. Yeah. They picked oct- to be sober in October because it rhymes. It used to be sober mm-hmm. January. Ah, okay. But, but that wasn't as catchy. True. Or as convenient. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess I feel like people have different ways of being sober and what your thoughts are about, you know, is it like once you're sober, it's forever, no more alcohol at all? You wish. Or, <laughs> or is it, you know, you can have a drink here or there because some people have heard will say, you know, if I have one, it's going to be hard to stock at one. And so, and they kind of know that about themselves. Or it's, you know, they come with a relapse saying, like, I thought I was going to be okay, and I'm not, and I wasn't okay. So, I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess it's a personal decision um, to figure out what kind of staying sober means. Hmm, yeah. You seem to know a lot about this, Dr. Teeth. (laughs) (laughs) um would you uh would you be how are we on time guys are we 20 minutes continuing we have until 11 59 oh cool no we're good we're good to do that i uh, like personally it's um can we see a i mean we're sort of on a roll and we have a caller yeah yeah oh yeah i'm totally yeah um, your happiness is my happiness. Um, so, <laughs> Bob, Bob is dismayed. Doctor, uh, Doctor Teeth. I was just. Well, I was going to ask you. Um, so, suddenly, he's going to call it. Would you? <laughs> no, I'm not going to call it. I just. I, no, I. I misread. I, I thought you guys no wanted problem. to call it, and I wanted to continue. Okay. No, I think we should ri- ridicule. So, uh, so Doctor Teeth, more. do you care to, sh- or would you be comfortable sharing? We do ask. Uh, guests and and callers to if they would like to share about their experience their personal experience with alcohol or drugs oh, or whatever experience? Oh, yeah okay. whatever it is right like it could be totally joyous and you know you had one drink in your life and only if you're comfortable you don't have to yeah you could also share a you know just in a more detached perspective on obs- observations that you've made. Um, you can talk in third person. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's up to you. You what? could read a poem. Um, 
Okay, well, I can tell, I can show you my personal perspective. I won't talk about other people. I think, um, uh, let's see. So um, I think my first experience with alcohol was in college, and it actually, um, you know how alcohol can sometimes, like, um, exacerbate whatever emotions you're already feeling and so i was constantly anxious and so it made me extremely anxious (laughs) to drink and so every time i would go out with my friends and drink i would come home and feel really anxious about all the homework i had to do i would do (laughs) it and i would wake up the next morning and realize i had done it all wrong so for a period of time i stopped drinking because i was like this is really stressful and i'm having to redo all my homework and so <laughs> that was my first foray into alcohol in college wow not very exciting. i was gonna say that sounds terrible yeah well, well right. so it sounds like did you um it sounds like you readily made some adjustments as a result of those consequences no well, I mean, it wasn't particularly enjoyable to have to deal with the consequences, and so, um, and it wasn't very efficient, mm-hmm. and so, um, so yeah. So then, I think, I mean, it's mostly been just a very, um, like, you know, I think at different periods of my life, there have been times where, um, you know, as a c- celebratory event. You know, um, I would drink probably a little bit more than what would be advisable for a person who's my gender and size in one city. But, um, but I mean, it would be sort of kind of few and far between. And then, obviously, when you're pregnant, you're not drinking. So, um, and generally, I mean, you can drink while you're breastfeeding, but um, I tended to not do that too. So that's sort of been my life for the last couple of years. Oh, whatever so. do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Are you a mother, Dr. T? <laughs> Is that what you're <laughs> revealing that, to us? However, <laughs> however you want to interpret it. <laughs> that's cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's a, it's yeah. a great perspective. Like we want to welcome all kinds of perspectives, including, you know, you sound like a normie. To I me. was going to say, it sounds very like it's responsible drinking. Cause when she said about her size <laughs> and gender, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I actually saw that as a challenge for me because I'm definitely like tiny and I would try to drink as much as like my guy friends that are four times my size. <laughs> hmm. It's, um, yeah, sorry, forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I also don't really like the feeling of being hungover. So that's that a good, I mean, deterrent. I think that's pretty much the, I think that's the standard deterrent for normies. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think people are just like, because I, when I was younger, I mean, I, I partied, I partied hard for a long time. Um, uh, you know, with, with friends, like on the weekends, you know, weekend warrior, maybe Thursdays and, um, had a lot of friends. There aren't all normal. They all just stopped basically. And, you know, the wheat and the chaff hadn't separated in, in the twenties, I think in the early twenties, mid twenties. So you could hide out, you could definitely hide out as an alcoholic among your peers, party peers. But um, I do think, like, yeah, people are like... Or lead the charge. Yeah, I'm tired, <laughs> you know. I'm not productive on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. I have a headache. Mm-hmm. And so people just stop. 
It's, um, yeah, that's a really interesting Although time of life. Spicy Korean soup can be a good cure. Mm. <laughs> oh, interesting. We have, yeah. a, we have oh. a vote for, that That would be a great show topic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, like, uh, there, there are... There are people who have all kinds of methods and tricks and, and naturaceuticals to mitigate mm-hmm. hangovers. Yeah. Oh, vitamins before bed, a glass and of And there's all the, the old wa- what do you call it? Drinking tons of water before uh, you go to sleep. Yeah. The wisdom, you know, what do they say? Old, not old wives. Old wives tales. Old wives tales. Um, or folklore is like, uh, I need to eat a lot of fat before I drink. Oh, yeah, you know? right. <laughs> and, or, or eat disco fries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soak, soak up all the alcohol. Spicy Korean soup. We should. <laughs> I have a connection to a, a Korean chef named Mang Chi. I bet. Oh. I bet she would be. Uh, she. Anyways, she she would have some interesting things to say about <laughs> drinking and and hangover cures. Spicy Korean soup sounds like something well, that the, would put you into just labor. The fact that she's Korean would probably have her. Give her a lot to say about <laughs> I mean, she made uh, like alcoholic beverages under her kitchen sink with mm-hmm. with milk. Like I was gonna say, like what they do Korean in jail. Are, that's uh, they call it the, toilet wine. In I was jail. gonna say, yeah. Well, <laughs> my experience with um, Koreans and drinking. Actually, my first bartending job was at a Korean pool hall and bar and man they took me out for my birthday and i got super like wasted you're Mm -hmm. drinking soju soju and korean barbecue yeah soju's not for the lighthearted no like we were taking a shot like every five bites of food (laughs) just yeah i was i was just recently telling a friend that i spent a month in korea within the last couple years and she was like, did you drink a lot? Like, yeah, you kind of had to. No, like, it's like the Koreans are, rega- well, real quick, what was that term, Kevin, you said about the Otis, the per- the, re- the person in the TV show? Oh, who's- stage Irish. Okay, stage Irish. Koreans are regarded as like the Irish of Asia, don't oh, you yeah, think? For sure. Like, yeah. like oh, it's wow. like those Mr. Cho, blah, 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 handles his liquor. And I'm watching a show right now called Woo Assassins. Where, where there's an Irish character who tells the, the Asian. Well, he's a Chinese character, and he's like, he's like, well, one thing we have in common is we both like booze. <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, I, I've, I've, th- there have been a series of articles in, I think, the New York Times about uh, Korean culture. Um, mm-hmm. Korean work cult- culture, specifically yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the after work drinking and, and how there's kind of a requirement, like it's a sort of a social yeah. requirement that you go out and drink with everybody because it's sort of a bonding ritual and, you know. Yeah, t- I have, um, we have a family friend who was working in Korea and he ended up immigrating to the U.S. because his like liver was starting to give him a hard time from like all the after work drinking and there was like really no way out of it besides I mean you just can't you can't not go and so his wife was like we need to not be in this culture that's a you know we uh, Dr. Teeth we call that a geographical (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the term that we call that I mean that's 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 a huge that's you know changing your position on planet earth to avoid being submerged in alcohol culture that's uh good for them good good for them 
Um, well, we're at about 10 minutes yeah. of the hour. And uh, how's everybody feeling? We want to go for the whole 10 minutes. It's your call, Bourbon. Oh, um, well, I'm enjoying this. It's, uh, it's, there's so much. I mean, alcohol has been around for thousands of years, and it's just, you know, it's, it's probably been around longer than written language, uh, or our records of it anyways. And so it just makes me curious about, um, you know, other cultures and... Yeah, that's a good topic. Yeah. Brain fade. Um, we have uh, there's there's so much to talk about. Um, is there so? Uh, you mentioned shoju. Is that uh, what is that exactly? We were just talking about this recently. It is. Good, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm I'm we'll Jay Quellen, by the way, Doctor Teeth. And nobody could even your accent was so thick nobody could even figure out what you said okay. <laughs> um, Whoa, I'm, oh is I'm, that racist i'm jake i'm jake wellen um <laughs> for anybody who watches uh key and peel they'll know what i'm talking about but i don't know what soju is <laughs> i forget what it's made out of i think it's rice <laughs> is it rice i think it's rice <laughs> i mean sake okay. is made of rice it's true, but it's um, soju tastes a little bit more like gasoline. I guess. <laughs> a little bit like a spoken more like a true normie. <laughs> hey, uh, alcohol tastes like gasoline. <laughs> Is it a distilled but, beverage? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a liquor. The interesting tidbit that I learned when I was in Korea, though, is that every single area of Korea has their own brand of soju. So, like, if you go to the island Jeju, they have their own. Um, brand which is like hala soju which is named after their big mountain if you go to like a different city <laughs> yeah. different part, it's going to be like the other name well, so that I mean, it's like trivia uh, that i learned <laughs> no well actually i mean that's not so uh far-fetched uh, first of all it is made of rice uh our intern confirmed that oh, good. Uh, thanks shadow don't want to misinform people um but i will say like that's not far-fetched because I mean, look at look at France, like the wine regions, yeah, yeah, you know, or the world. <laughs> Their wines and Provenance. all the derived provenance. Although I don't know that the soju tastes different like, <laughs> based on where yeah. it's coming from. I yeah. feel like there's a lot more variety in terms of grapes and wines, but literally getting... all the soju I've ever had just tastes like the same gasoline. That <laughs> maybe it's, maybe there's different octane levels. Yeah. Pop. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> you know, some of them are are going to cleanse your your esophagus better than others, or cause cancer. <laughs> Jeez, between that and the, and the spicy food, I imagine it yeah, must be a pretty yeah. uh, aggressive evenings. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get some Korean barbecue. Let's do it. <laughs> Those places are open late. Are they in San Francisco? No, nothing's open late in San Francisco, but down in yeah. the South Bay, they're open late. Do some karaoke, <laughs> have some soju, and eat some Korean there barbecue. There you go. Anya Haseo. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting evening so far. Um, Dr. Teeth, do you have any uh, 
parting advice for people partying this evening? Oh, good. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't think of anything witty to say. French fries, um, Pepto-Bismol. Uh, is there any particular trick that uh, people from the medical profession know to avoid hangovers or cure hangovers? Oh. What about oxygen? Uh, Pure oxygen. Will that <laughs> cure a hangover? Uh, I think hydration. <laughs> oh. I mean, what, what about that? The, there was sort of a spate of oxygen bars in yeah. cities around the country, like maybe eight, ten years ago. Yeah, Did that I remember that. really do anything? Yeah, I went to one of those. I heard about they that. Were? I I don't think, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it does much. I mean... I feel like there's a lot of trendy things that are out there that don't do much. You know, essential oils, not vaccinating <laughs> your kids, etc. Bur- Bourbon, what do you mean by did it work? Did it, did it cure your hangover, inhaling oh. pure oxygen? Oh, that's not why I went there. Oh? I, I don't know. You want to fill us in? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to see what it was, and I, I realized it was pretty much... Just, uh, I don't know. There seemed to be a room in the back where everybody went and smoked weed, and then they would oh. come oh. out and, uh, and inhale some more that. oxygen and then go back and smoke more weed. So the oxygen was the front for the. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And the, was this before or after legalization? Oh, long before. Yeah, before uh, the weed was legal. <laughs> wow. Maybe for another time, but have you guys heard of kava bars? Kava? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. That's a trend. There's like one or two in San Francisco. The Fijians drink, you mean like kava kava? The, the, it's a, it's a plant, I have to look it up. Yeah, it's some, kind, it's some kind of like quasi-legal drug. Is it like that's a er, stimulant? Yeah, a tea. I People drink it as a tea. But I have some friends who've said like, oh, we go to the kava bar. I'm like, what's that? I, I have seen a few times in the mission uh, people selling uh, chot on the street and chot is chot chot it's the it's a stimulant it's a leaf oh. that you chew and it's a stimulant it's not coca oh, like from the middle east or not middle like that part of the north world. africa and yeah uh, uh, west africa yeah it's um and it's i think it's considered it's, addicting isn't it caught is it caught whoops yeah because chot chot is um like indian street food indian snacks yeah snacks okay <laughs> caught Thank you for that correction. Doctor Teeth. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, have a lovely evening, everybody. It was fun chatting. Thank you. Thanks for staying up so late. Right, no Thank problem. you, Doctor Dentition. Right. Take care. Bye. 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 Yeah, kava is a leaf uh, from the Pacific Islands that's uh, known for its sedating effects. And it's, the, what is it, from Tongan, <clears throat> oh. Samoan. And yeah, I remember when I was... Like a, they chew the leaves. I remember when I was a, make. a kid, I think my uh, my parents had a party and somebody came over and made some big drink with, with the leaves and they hmm. all sat around and drank it and I don't know. Get sleepy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they did. It kind of makes me wonder what the active ingredients are. Mm-hmm. Um... Anyhow, so we're uh, we're almost finished I here. I guess we can sign off. I guess we're pretty close to signing signing off. Yeah, it was great. Does, evening. Do, does everyone want to say bye to the fans? Okay, bye, Shadow Lady. Thanks for listening. Uh, 
be does, safe out there. Does anyone have anything to plug? That's usually what they do at the end of <laughs> podcasts. Any plugs? Do we have a plug theme song? I'm going to plug the Wednesday 8.30 meeting, um, which may be a little... Uh, I uh, I think we need to have a policy committee meeting to discuss how we what we plug. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Uh, sorry, I'm, I, no, I'm being I'm joking. Do whatever you want. Three strikes tonight. <laughs> Forget what I said. At least three. Um, <laughs> that's another one to the list that you'll just take out. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Duh. That's a meeting right here at uh, Mutiny Radio yeah. FM. Um, here at Twenty First Street in Florida Street in. Uh, San Francisco I uh yeah okay well um this is Bourbon and uh saying goodnight to everyone um you've been listening to High Spirits here on mutinyradio.fm we'll be putting up an archive of the podcasts that we've had so far um and hopefully you know we'll get a few listens out of that uh anybody else um Bob thank you for joining us Sure. And uh, Jake Quellen, great to have you back. Great. Um, and uh, one of our regulars, thank you, Peanuts. Peanuts. Sure. Thanks thank for you. joining us for, uh, and sharing your insight with us. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs>